Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sunny Commutes, a podcast where I combine the worlds of web development and business and share my experiences. So on this episode 51, I'm going to be talking about CSS in JS, which is what it sounds like. It's writing your CSS, your styles inside of your JavaScript. And if you've heard about this before, you might be thinking it's just inline styles and that's actually not the case, um, or at least not the case uh, all of the time. You can write inline styles, but there's actually a lot of new libraries that have come out that is basically just writing CSS, but there's a lot of um, benefits from writing uh, CSS inside of your JavaScript, which is what I'm going to be talking about on this episode. And I'm also going to be mentioning a lot of the misconceptions or like common issues that people have with CSS in JS. So I'm going to discuss those as well. Now, before I get into this, I want to talk about SAS, which is like the industry standard um, in the way that we currently write CSS. And it's a preprocessor. Basically, you know, CSS is the standard language. But uh, as of right now, you know, it's it's constantly evolving. So there's new features coming. Um, but a lot of companies use a preprocessor like SAS because we don't have a lot of features like variables or uh, mix-ins and these like concepts of like importing files um, where it's not an extra HTTP request. So uh, we have to resort to SAS and it's like the industry standards, the most popular one. Um, a lot of the big companies use it. A lot of small companies use it. Um, but the problem with it, like I said, it's not a web standard like CSS the language. And this is one problem that CSS in JS solves where, you know, to add more features on top of CSS, you're actually just going to be writing JavaScript. So it's not an extra language to learn, um, not a new syntax that's, you know, made by some third party. Instead, you're just writing JavaScript. You're still writing uh, languages that are uh, web standard. And uh, that's really nice. And a lot of people, you know, when they hear about CSS and JS, it kind of goes against a lot of uh, ways that we learned how to build websites. Like you're not you know, so let's kind of get into, um, I guess let's first talk about the benefits and I'll get into those issues that a lot of people uh, talk about, like separation of concerns um, and like certain features that are available to CSS. But when you start writing in a JavaScript, it seems like you can't uh, replicate a lot of those features. So I'll get into that. Um, so why would you want to write CSS inside of your JavaScript? Well, you know, React has kind of um, shown us how if we put our HTML inside of our JavaScript, we're able to do um, a lot better at organizing our components. So when you build a new website or web app, instead of, you know, separating based on like the file type where you have like CSS files, HTML files and JavaScript files, um, instead, we actually think more in terms of components. And when we're building UIs, this is a much better way to organize, you know, your different like building blocks. Um, and so when it comes to maintenance and building new features, you want to be able to uh, think of your UI in terms of components and makes it a lot easier to maintain. So with CSS in JS, uh, componentization is kind of at the heart of this because now you're, you know, with React, you're able to combine uh, your HTML with your JavaScript and now CSS, which before was just like its own file, its own CSS file that you had to scope and, and pull into that component. Now it can live um, right next to that component or as a component itself. 
So one of the libraries that I'm going to be talking about, um, styled components mainly, uh, you know, that's that, that, that really focuses on components um, being your, uh, like your CSS classes, essentially, where you don't actually have to uh, create a class and then, you know, map it over to a div or some HTML element. Instead, you actually create something called a styled component. So that component name is what gets mapped uh, to the class automatically, like behind the scenes. So it gets automatically generated, uh, but the component that you create, which would be like a React component, but you write your CSS styles directly inside that component. And so uh, that makes you know the idea of componentization uh, just much easier to do. Um, so componentization is really big. You're putting your CSS inside of your JavaScript which seems really weird, but as React has kind of proven, um, it makes a lot of sense to keep everything just co-located. So your HTML and your functionality and your styles are all together. Uh, next, you get uh, automatic local scoping. So traditionally, you know, another like industry standard would be BEM, right? Uh, I think it stands for Block, Element, and Modifier. And that's a way to escape the problems that we have with specificity and uh, namespacing. So, you know, if you create a component, you're going to be creating a file and then that file by default is still going to be global styles. Nothing is preventing you from adding a new class name or styling a completely different component um, accidentally. Sometimes that's a big problem because then it becomes really hard to track where your uh, styles are coming from. Well, if everything is locally scoped by default, this means that uh, you create a new component and then you pull in um, or, you know, you pull in a CSS and JS uh, component or uh, file, you know, it depends on what library you're using. Um, but let's say with styled components, right? You pull in a styled component and that CSS is uh, specific to the component itself. So uh, there's no way, um, or at least by default, to uh, style like anything outside of it. Every, all the styles are uh, specific to everything inside of that component and nothing else. And um, and obviously there are ways to kind of uh, have an escape catch where you can style global uh, other elements and other global components if you want. Um, but by default, the class name is mapped um, and everything inside that is like nicely namespaced to the component. So with BEM, you would you know, create a new class name that matches that component name, but with CSS and JS, you have automatically that done for you. You don't have to um, you know, manage different class names and stuff. And then next you get uh, the full power of JavaScript. So with SAS, you know, that's an abstraction. It's essentially a new language on top of CSS that you have to learn. Now, because it's so popular and because it's uh, like an industry standard, that's not really seen as a downside, but I kind of see it because uh, one, that means that SAS, I don't think it's gonna stay around forever. I don't think it's gonna go away anytime soon, but because it's not a web standard, um, you know, solutions like CSS and JS, I think will win over because you're writing just CSS and JavaScript. These are languages that already exist that are already useful outside the scope of uh, writing your styles. And so it's, you know, JavaScript might be like another language to learn, but you don't have to know all of it, just enough to write your uh, your styles. And so you're taking advantage of JavaScript as opposed to having some, you know, third-party non-standard language uh, take over the, 
you know the variables and the um, be able to write mixins, which like that concept is kind of weird. Um, with JavaScript, you'd be just writing functions. So if you already know JavaScript, that makes it a lot easier. But if you don't, you can still easily, um, you know, learn CSS and JS. Okay, so next, um, since you're writing your CSS inside of your JavaScript, this lets you share a configuration between your JavaScript and your CSS a lot more easily. Uh, this can still be done with SAS, but it, what you have to do is, you know, inside of your build tool, um, you know, pull in your JavaScript uh, variables and then pass that on to SAS uh, with CSS and JS. It's kind of feels more natural because you can just like import a JavaScript file uh, with all of your uh, variables and you can use that inside of like your CSS, obviously, but then you can also use it outside of your CSS, like inside of your um, your JavaScript application. So your whole web app can share that single config. You don't have to parse it any differently uh, for your CSS. And then finally, you get really easy critical CSS. And this also depends on the library that you use. Uh, but because your JavaScript and like your build process and everything knows about what components are being used and where they're being used, this lets you um, load the critical portion of your CSS. So whatever is like above the fold, um, you know, basically like before you have to scroll down the page, whatever CSS styles you need to render that top portion, um, your JavaScript already will know about it. So it can render uh, and pull in the, that CSS very quickly inside of like an inline uh, style. Uh, so yeah, so that's a lot of uh, the benefits of CSS and JS. There's probably more, uh, but those I consider kind of the, the top uh, six or five, top five benefits. Now, a lot of people, when they hear about CSS and JS, you know, they have some concerns, right? And I consider these to be just uh, misconceptions, uh, but, you know, let's, let's just go over them. And so the first one is a separation of concerns. And this is the idea that, okay, HTML is for your markup, or your content, CSS is for your styles, your layout, and then your JavaScript is for your functionality. So you should keep these concerns separate. But as I spoke about componentization, this actually isn't true because uh, we shouldn't be separating, um, like your concerns are actually now your components instead of like the file types themselves. So you shouldn't be separating them because if you have your CSS and your HTML and everything scattered around, um, especially like in different folders and stuff, that makes it really harder to develop and maintain that code because everything's scattered around the place because you're gonna be building um, by components, right? So you're gonna be going in, you wanna edit the header. Well, okay, you have to find the header.css file. You have to find the header.js file and header.html, whatever it might be. Whereas, you know, with CSS and JS, where everything is not separated by uh, the file types, you're instead you're separating by components. You'll have like uh, a folder for each component and all the HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript will live in there. And the other great thing about CSS and JS is that, you know, that if you have like a very small component, you don't have to separate it out into separate files. You can if you want to, but you can have it all in the single component. So it's a very single, uh, simple component. You can just have it all inside of that single file, uh, which is pretty nice. So yeah, so this whole separation of concerns um, issue that a lot of people bring up, I think is, is incorrect because our concerns are now our components instead of the, the specific like file types, if that makes sense.
Um, and then this, the other issues are related to, you know, just the way that you write CSS. Uh, there's a lot of features that are in CSS and a lot of the libraries uh, for CSS and JS, you might see that they use like an object syntax because you're writing your styles as a JavaScript object. And this depends on the library. So if you are writing it as an object, uh, it makes it really weird to do different things like writing uh, pseudo selectors, media queries, uh, global styles, that becomes really weird, of course. Uh, and so this kind of depends on the library. It's still possible to do a lot of these things, but you know, the problem is with, with like inline styles, um, which is, you know, when people hear of CSS and JS, that's what they, they think about. With inline styles, you know, when you have um, things like hover, that gets translated over to like a mouse over event in JavaScript. But if you have like a disabled pseudo selector with like a, a button or an input is disabled, we can't really replicate that, right? So you have to, you know, either like it doesn't support it or you have to do some sort of weird workarounds. And so I think these are misconceptions because I'll, we have a lot of uh, CSS and JS libraries now that are not just styled components or styled, um, sorry, inline styles. But one of the libraries like styled components, the way that you write your CSS is you just write it as CSS. Like you don't have to do a JavaScript object. Instead, you just um, you know have a template literal, so it's just a string and you write your CSS with your colons and everything, your semicolons, um, at media queries, you know, disabled pseudo selectors and all that, the way that you normally would in uh, CSS. And so with the other issue of like global styles, styled components can do that too. Um, there's like an inject global method or inject styles or something like that. And that lets you just, you know, write your global styles and it'll handle adding that to the page. Um, so yeah, so um, the next misconception like kind of went over is uh, JavaScript objects. You don't have to write it as JavaScript objects. Uh, just some libraries support that style of writing CSS. So yeah, and then uh, performance. This kind of goes back again to the inline styles. Uh, yeah, I don't think inline styles are that performant. I've done this on a couple projects and it just didn't really work out that well. But with a library that just lets you write regular CSS. What it does is either either it injects uh, style tags into the head of the page, or it um, actually generates like a full .css file. So a lot of the problems that you might think of having with performance or the way that you know regular CSS versus CSS and JavaScript would work. Well, since it just generates a regular CSS file, um, this is easily done with something like Webpack with styled components. Um, you know, a lot of the issues with performance kind of go away and going back to like the critical CSS, like that's a lot easier to generate now um, because it, you know, knows about your markup and everything and what you're rendering on that specific page. So you actually get much easier performance handling uh, with CSS in JS. So obviously I haven't gone over like all of the issues uh, with CSS and JS. I think those are the, the common ones. Um, and obviously I haven't gone over all the benefits, but uh, hopefully some of those make sense. Um, but really you have to kind of try out CSS in JS for yourself. So some of the libraries, there's styled components, which is personally my favorite. And that's what I've been using on a current project right now. 
And what I like about it is, you know, it is specific to React, but I think with React, this idea of componentization and having everything kind of as a single file components. So you have your like your markup and your uh, functionality inside of a single file. And you can obviously abstract as much as you want. You can have multiple files, uh, but then adding CSS into the mix makes it kind of very natural. It's a natural way of writing your styles now because you have uh, everything inside of a single component. And what I love about styled components is it also reduces the need to create a class name in CSS and then uh, using that class name, like attaching it to a div or some HTML tag. Instead, what you're actually creating is a styled component. And uh, basically like you're creating like a React component, but then you're uh, writing your CSS styles uh, for that component. So you do something like a const my styled component or do like const uh, button equals uh, styled dot button and then template literals which is a new feature in ES6 and you just start writing your uh, CSS styles in there and then you can just use it like any regular react component so style component is definitely my favorite and it's gaining uh, a lot of uh, popularity I think it's probably the most popular there are some other libraries um, that are used as well there's glamorous which is uh, from PayPal and then there's Aphrodite from uh, Khan Academy so those are some of the more uh, popular ones, um, some of the more the ones that I like. And all of them, I believe, yeah, I think all of them uh, don't use inline styles. It's just same concept of being able to write uh, your CSS just as regular CSS. Uh, and that, I think, is really important because, you know, it seems like it makes sense since you're writing in JavaScript to use a JavaScript object. But, you know, when you have, like, designers or... Uh, like uh, junior developers or anyone that's kind of more focused inside of uh, just the CSS, you know, not necessarily like a junior developer, but someone that's just focused on the, the UI and the design uh, of the web app or website, you know, you want to be able to focus on just the CSS and learn just the parts of JavaScript that's needed to, you know, to replace like the SAS features that you're normally used to. And the syntax isn't really that different um, personally, I think it's a lot better, honestly, because you're just using like standard features. So SAS might, you know, create a different way to like do a loop or an if, um, and even like the mix in syntax looks weird to me, I think, uh, whereas a JavaScript function, much more easier to learn. It's a basic, uh, like programming concept. And so you're just using like JavaScript and you have the full power of JavaScript. So this actually leads me to um, share like this helper library that I came across. It's called Polished um, and it plays uh, really nicely with styled components. Has a lot of similar features from SAS, but it's just JavaScript functions uh, that they're exporting. So there's different functions for like color modulation. If you need to lighten or darken a hex color, um, if you want to do some unit conversion like pixels to rem uh, or uh, mixins like a word wrap or clear fix, some of those common ones that you might write in your SAS. So yes, it's just JavaScript and you can like just import it and start using those functions. And I think that's really cool. So yeah, that's pretty much it on uh, CSS and JS. This is a pretty big topic and it's something that you kind of have to look uh, for yourself. So definitely check out uh, styled components. And if you're not writing in React, 
uh, Aphrodite, I believe, works with whatever uh, you might be using. So, and Aphrodite actually kind of like again, it follows the same concept of uh, writing just regular CSS, and it just injects a style tags into your page, and they use it on ConAcademy.com, of course. So, um, so yes, yeah, so these are definitely like another thing that I forgot to mention is production use. Um, uh, I forgot to look up like exactly what sites uh, or what big sites use it in production, but uh, you know, Aphrodite being used on Khan Academy, there's that of course, and uh, style components I'm sure is used on, on tons of sites at this point. Uh, but this is definitely something real, like SAS is not gonna go away anytime soon. So, and I'm not against SAS in terms of, you know, oh, let's, let's get rid of it right away. Uh, I like SAS, it's, you know, it's allowed uh, CSS to improve, uh, but it's similar to like jQuery, right? Because there's a lot of new features um, in CSS that are getting added, like custom properties, which are basically like variables. And so it just makes less sense to use something like a preprocessor. Um, so SAS is great, and, you know, if, you, if your pro current projects use SAS, keep using it, you don't have to transition. Uh, but you can actually, if you want, you can slowly transition over with something like styled components because you can just write some of your components uh, with styled components with CSS and JS. You don't have to, you know, completely do a big uh, migration. But if you're starting a new project, uh, a really simple way is to just, you know, take a look at one of these libraries uh, and start using it. So definitely check it out. Um, and also, I'm trying to remember like other things. Uh, so auto prefixing, that's one more thing, another issue that people kind of bring up. And actually auto prefixer is built into a lot of these libraries. So styled components, you don't have to worry about prefixing uh, your, your properties, you know, for different browsers, your vendor prefixes, it does it automatically, which is really cool. And so yeah, so that's basically it. Again, check it out for yourself. Um, but I've been using it so far and I really like it. It's a great way to organize your code. Um, and it's a natural way, especially if you're writing inside of React. So yeah, so, uh, so that's it for this episode. For next week, I'm actually doing like a special episode. I wanna do a Q&A question and answer. Um, so I'm trying to get some call-ins on Anchor. So if you, look, if you download the Anchor app um, and then search up Sunny Commutes on there, you can give a call-in uh, or you can just tweet me any questions and I'll answer them. It can be anything really from general questions to web development, marketing, or business related. Um, so SunnySync.io is on Twitter. Um, and then I've actually been uh, working on uh, promoting some creators. Um, and we're actually doing that on the SLK Media uh, Twitter account. So it's SLK, SLK Media Co, SLK Media Co. And we're featuring some creators on there. So definitely check that account and give it a follow. Um, but that's it. Uh, make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the audio version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And if you've been listening to the audio version, uh, yes, I am actually trying to do a visual uh, aspect to the podcast um, on my YouTube channel. I think that's SunnySync TV on there. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed and I'll catch you later. Peace.